your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 601 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online. Where the game starts. And the Rangers just coming off of what can only be described as a very difficult, very disappointing 2 to nothing road loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, the Canes scored a goal with 1.8 seconds left. So, I mean, it was basically a one to nothing finish. But be that as it may, uh, you know, just not really a fun watch. I mean, obviously it was a competitive game. But in a lot of ways, this game kind of reminded me of the series that the Rangers and Canes played against each other two years ago in the bubble. Obviously, uh, the Rangers were nowhere near as good of a team as they are now. But just like what happened in that series, it just felt like the Canes played excellent defense, just suffocated the Rangers, uh, shut down their best players, and just did not give them a single inch of the ice. Every single inch of the ice was contested by the Carolina Hurricanes. Canes score a timely goal while shorthanded, and uh, they win the game two to nothing. Again, the empty netter was added a little bit later in the game. But one thing about this game that's kind of concerning for me is a lot of the things that kind of worried me about this Carolina Hurricanes team as far as how the Rangers might match up against them coming into this series. A lot of those things uh, basically reared their ugly heads in this game. I mean, for starters, the Canes in the regular season were absolutely spectacular on the penalty kill. They were the best in the league. They killed off 88% of the power plays that they were you know, charged with defending. And in this game last night, the Rangers went 0 for 4. And again, it's not just that they went 0 for 4. You know, we've talked about this in the past as well. There's certain nights on the power play, you can go 0 for 4, but it's not really that concerning because you're creating some scoring chances. You know, maybe there was some bad puck luck. Maybe the goalie made, you know, a phenomenal save or two or, you know, just one of those nights where the puck doesn't go in the net. But for this game, uh, the Rangers just it never really looked like they were going to score when they were on the power play. So that was obviously uh, really unfortunate. Couldn't get the job done there. You know, they had the uh, double minor in the second period. They had a chance to take the lead, and it obviously just wasn't meant to be. You had Brady Shea taking a high-sticking penalty against Alexi Lafreniere, and that double minor, that that four-minute power play for the Rangers was nothing short of an abject disaster. We'll get into that in greater detail in a little while. But as far as other things that kind of uh, concern me about the Canes, we saw the Canes once again, for the second straight game, basically just mopped the floor with the Rangers in the faceoff circle. You had the Canes in game one winning 59% of the draws. This one was a little more competitive. The Canes won 57% of the faceoffs. But again, I mean, that's a situation where I don't know what you do if you're the Rangers. There's no magic wand that you can wave there. It's just a situation where the Canes centers are a lot better on the dot than the Rangers centers. And we've seen it, you know, kind of hurt the Rangers so far in this series. But, you know, we might as well actually just go right ahead and talk about this sequence in the second period that I alluded to just a minute ago. That being, of course, the Rangers four-minute power play on which they did not score and actually ended up uh, giving a shorthanded goal, permitting a shorthanded goal. Uh, But let me just take you guys through this entire power play because it was just, again, a complete disaster. First of all, the power play came as the result of what I thought was maybe one of the uh, best sustained 
offensive zone uh, possessions that the Rangers had in this entire game. A lot of pressure here, you know, putting the puck toward the net, winning the race to some loose pucks, maintaining possession, a couple of different lines rotating on and off the ice here. This went on for like a good solid minute, minute 15 seconds probably. The Rangers, you know, again, they were applying big time pressure here. You had Mika passing to Vetrano, back to Mika. Uh, the save was made by Antti Ranta. You had a really nice keep in by Adam Fox. It looked like the Canes were going to clear the zone and he kind of reached up, gloved it down, kept the puck in kept the uh, the possession alive. And again, it, it went on for a good amount of time after Fox made this play. Uh, and then finally, you know, Lafreniere is in front of the net. He's out there with Panarin and Kreider, I believe. So that was kind of an interesting combination there. But uh, Lafreniere ends up taking a high stick in front of the net. And it was called on Brady Shea. There was some conjecture about whether this might end up being four minutes or two minutes. And it ends up being four minutes because it wasn't much, but Lafreniere uh, had a little bit of blood. And it's interesting because... I don't remember if it was earlier this season or if it was late last season. Some of this stuff just kind of blends together after a while. And some of you guys will remember this as well. There was a situation, and I don't even remember who the Rangers were playing, but Lafreniere took a high stick in a game, and they ended up penalizing the offending player just two minutes for that. But it was weird because on that play, Lafreniere had gone to the bench, and the ref came over to check him real quick. And Lafreniere, it's not like he was, you know, gushing blood or anything like that, but he had a little bit of blood on his mouth. And, you know, he touched his mouth with his hand, then he showed his hand to the ref, and there was clearly blood there. But the ref, you know, stuck with the call of just two minutes. So uh, that was kind of odd. You know, I mean, I, I don't think there's a rule that it has to be a certain amount of blood. That's obviously, uh, you know, inviting all sorts of, you know, a gray area there. Um, but in this situation, you know, it, it kind of went the other way. It went in the favor of the Rangers. There was just a tiny little bit of blood, uh, but they ruled that it should be four minutes, which I think is the proper call. I mean, again, it shouldn't really matter how much or how little blood that there is. Uh, so the Rangers, you know, they, they caught a break here. Just a little bit of blood. They get a four-minute power play. But that's about where the good news starts as far as this man advantage is concerned for the Rangers. Uh, you get a pretty quick clear by the Canes. You know, Mika actually won the faceoff, but the Canes got it out of the zone fairly quickly. You've got Sebastian Ajo going into the attacking zone one-on-one -on -one with Adam Fox, and that's another thing, and this is another night-long theme for the New York Rangers. On their power plays, the Canes, while shorthanded, got better scoring chances than the Rangers did while they had the man advantage, and this was just one example of that. Uh, Ajo got a shot away, Igor made the save, and... You know, it's tough. You, you get to the blue line against the Canes, even on the power play, and they just kind of stand you up there. You pretty much have no choice but to dump and chase. Uh, there's a situation then when the puck comes free to Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere was in the high slot, maybe had a chance to shoot here, but he tries to go backdoor to Filipito. Uh, that didn't work either. You've got another situation with Sebastian Ajo uh, getting a chance here. He goes through the legs of Adam Fox and over to Brennan Smith. Smith scores from the doorstep, makes it one to nothing in favor of the Canes. And that's obviously just a disaster. You've got a four-minute power play here. And as you're getting toward the tail end of it, not only do you not score despite having a man advantage for a full four minutes, but you give away a shorthanded goal in a tight, low-scoring game. I mean, this was getting to be uh, pretty late in the second period, I believe. Let's see exactly how much time was left. Yeah, there was uh, four minutes and six seconds to go in the second period when this happens. Game was still scoreless, and you, know, you fall behind to the Canes. It's just not, you, you don't want to be fall, playing from behind against anybody, but against the Carolina Hurricanes in particular, it's going to be tough to come back. They just play so well defensively. So this is a disaster. You know, you don't score, and again, they score shorthanded. And then just to top it all off, to top off just a terrible 
four-minute power play for the New York Rangers. You've got a situation where Kevin Rooney was out there for some reason. I mean, I realize it was getting toward the end of the power play, but um, and I like Rooney. I got nothing against Rooney. I, he's not the guy I would go to with my team on the power play, especially you've just given away this shorthanded goal. You'd like to maybe try to get one back at least at the end of the power play and at least be 1-1 going forward. But Rooney's out there. He takes an offensive zone penalty. He gets called for boarding behind the Canes net. So to top off just an absolutely fantastic power play, it ends with the Rangers uh, again taking an offensive zone penalty. And it comes from a player who probably should not have even been on the ice at that time. And then we're not done yet. It gets even worse because you get four on four for 23 seconds and then you get a slash on Chris Kreider. So now the Canes get a five on three for a minute and 10 seconds. They start with Lindgren, Truba, and Cop do the Rangers as far as the penalty killers. And they do a nice job here a couple different times in this uh power play for the Canes, we saw Cop come off in favor of Mika Zibanejad. It went from Cop to Mika back to Cop, but Lindgren and Truba were out there for the whole time and cannot say enough about the job that these four guys did uh, preventing the Canes from scoring a goal here uh, late in the second period. Would have made it 2 nothing Canes going into the third period. Instead, the Rangers uh, held on. You also had an awesome glove save by Igor Shesterkin. There was a shot from Tony D'Angelo and just full extension upward. Igor makes the save and keeps the Rangers in the game at just one nothing at that point, but just an absolutely nightmarish power play for the Rangers. I mean, I don't think, as far as four-minute power plays are concerned, I don't think you could draw one up much worse than this when you consider uh, the lack of scoring opportunities, the fact that you gave up a shorty, and also the fact that it ends with you yourself taking a penalty in the offensive zone. Doesn't get much worse than that. But we're going to continue talking about all the highlights and lowlights from this game in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I use Athletic Greens literally every day. I started taking it because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now I've been on it for a couple of months, and I absolutely love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, just wanted to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so I already talked about, you know, some of the reasons why the Canes concern me a little bit. You know, heading into this series, we talked about the fact that they dominate faceoffs, they play excellent team defense, and 
They're absolutely outstanding on the penalty kill, and that's obviously that last one's difficult for the Rangers because so much of their offense throughout the regular season came via the power play, and even against Pittsburgh, you know, the Ranger power play got off to a, a little bit of a slow start, but by the time we got to games five, six, and seven, the Rangers were uh, starting to convert on some of their power play opportunities, including obviously the Artemi Panarin overtime game winner, but there's one other thing that kind of gave me some concern heading into this series. To me, this one is a little bit more self-inflicted, and it's the Rangers, either their refusal or their hesitance to simply shoot the puck. It was something of an issue in Game 1 against the Canes. It was a major issue in Game 2. And to look at the final stats of this game, you know, the Rangers were outshot 22-21. to And look, I understand you've got two very good defensive teams colliding in this series. It's playoff hockey. Everything's going to be uh, contested more so than it is in the regular season. So I understand the low shot total to a certain extent, but to me, it runs a little bit deeper than that. The Rangers just would not shoot the puck in this game. They wouldn't do it. Even on the power play, there were too many times where it looked like they had a chance and they would look for that extra pass. Uh, we saw the Rangers, you know, hesitance to shoot the puck. It came into play early in the Pittsburgh series. There were just too many opportunities where it looked like somebody had a good chance and they would go for that extra pass for one reason or another. And in that series, you're going up against a third stringer in Louis Domingue. In this series, I mean, Ronta's better than Domingue, but for the most part, he's been the Canes' backup this season. I like Ronta a lot. I thought he did a great job for the Rangers. I think he's one of those guys. You know, we talked to Jared Ellis about this the other day. If Ronta can stay healthy, he can be a very, very good goalie in this league, and I think we're seeing that right now. But be that as it may, the Rangers just never tested him. They didn't test him in game two. At least in game one, they forced him to have to make some really nice saves. In this one, Ronta, yeah, he got the shutout and props for that. You know, there's no easy way to get a shutout in a Stanley Cup playoff game, but the Rangers just didn't test him enough. There were too many instances where they just would not shoot the puck, and I don't know where this hesitance comes from, if if guys are just still caught up on being unselfish, if they feel like they're not going to score without making that extra pass. But what baffles me about this and what's starting to drive me crazy about this is game six and seven, in particular against Pittsburgh, the Rangers started pulling the trigger a little bit more often, and it worked. So I don't know why uh, they've seemingly gotten so far away from this. Like I said, to a certain extent in game one and to a major extent in game two. And this isn't just me, you know, making this stuff up. I got numbers to back this up. Not a single forward on the New York Rangers had more than two shots on goal in this game. And to be fair, you know, you look at Carolina, they only had one forward get more than two shots on goal. That would be Vinny Trocek. He had three shots on goal. But again, to me, it runs a little bit deeper than that because when you look at the Rangers, you know, you expect the big-time superstar players to throw the puck at the net sooner or later. And when you look at some of the top players on the Rangers, we'll focus kind of like on the top nine here. Nobody was shooting the puck, or if they were, they were missing wide by a mile. That was another issue in this game. The Rangers, I don't even know how many times they shot wide of the net. It was impossible to keep track, but it was a lot. And again, if you look at some of the, the heavy hitters on this team, Panarin, zero shots on goal. Lafreniere, one shot on goal. Strom, one shot on goal. Andrew Kopp, zero shots on goal. Chris Kreider, zero shots on goal for Chris Kreider. Capo Caco, one shot on goal. Uh, Filipino, one shot on goal. Frank Vitrano with the amazing shot that he has, one lousy shot on goal. Mika Zibanejad with one shot on goal. Sooner or later, you got to let it rip. And I, I think a good uh, example of this is when the Rangers had a power play in this game, they had a four on three for uh, a little less than half of the power play, and then a five-on-four for about a minute 10. You know, it was about 50 seconds, four-on-three, and then a minute 10 of five-on-four for the Rangers. And when it was four-on-three, you know, this is where, if you're the Rangers, especially when you're against this team, that you know how good they are defensively, you know how good they are on the kill, you know how difficult it is to create scoring chances against them, this is when you've really got to let it fly and just kind of throw caution to the wind. The Rangers, again, just kind of moving the puck around the perimeter. Nobody would pull the trigger. I mean, Kreider was there. 
Kreider wasn't really in position for his, you know, tipping goals that he got so many of this season. You had uh, Panarin and Mika kind of playing a little bit of pitch and catch, and I don't know, it almost felt like, you know, they felt like the other one was going to shoot. Like, okay, I'm going to pass and he's going to shoot. No, I'm going to pass and he's going to shoot. The shot, like, never came. I mean, eventually they did, but uh, they didn't score. And again, just too much standing around and too much looking for that perfect play instead of just throwing the puck at the net. And again, I've used this example before. I don't want to be the guy that just, you know, comes on here and screams shoot. You know, every arena for every hockey game, there's always one guy screaming shoot. Um, And I, I, of course, know that, listen, these Ranger players, they have a better idea of when they should shoot the puck than I do. But the proof is in the pudding. Nobody on the Rangers, none of their star players were putting the puck at the net in this game. And it cost them. You know, again, anti-Ranta, very, very good in game one. He was good in this game, but how often was he really tested? How many really great jaw-dropping wow saves did anti-Ranta make in this game? Not many. And again, that is due in large part. I mean, it's due in part to the Canes playing good team defense, but it's due, I think, even more just the simple fact that the Rangers would not shoot the puck. We do have some positives to take out of this game as well. It's not all doom and gloom. I by no means think that this series is over. The Rangers are down two to nothing. I mean, it's unfortunate that here we are in another hole, you know, down three, one to the Penguins uh, coming back and winning that series. Now down two, nothing against uh, an outstanding Carolina Hurricanes team. You know, you're really starting to dig a hole for yourself. And uh, it's obviously going to be a monumental challenge to climb back into this series and eventually win it. But I, by no means, am going to count out this team. Like I mentioned in the Pittsburgh series, even when they were down three games to one, three games to two, uh, I have learned my lesson. I, I know much better than to completely just count out the Rangers and think that, oh, there's no chance that, you know, they can possibly, uh, you know, win this series or uh, win this game three, which is what they have to focus on right now. 2-1 versus 3-0 in a series, obviously a monumental difference. And so the Rangers, they really got to get this next one back home in Madison Square Garden. We're going to talk about all the positives to take out of this game and why, again, I don't think that it's all doom and gloom. And we will do that in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And again, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so a couple positives to take out of this game. This one almost runs a little bit contrary to what I just talked about, but just stay with me for a second on this one. I like the fact that the Rangers in this game, you know, is a little bit of a slog, a little bit of a grinded out kind of a game. You could tell pretty early in this one that it was probably going to be a fairly low scoring result, and indeed it was. I like the fact that the Rangers didn't go jumping out of their skates trying to set up a scoring opportunity that was not there. They didn't try to force any passes through the neutral zone, you know, turning the puck over. You get a rush going the opposite way. And I think even as recently as two years ago for sure, and probably even last year, the Rangers probably would not have been that disciplined, where they were willing to play kind of a grinded out kind of a game in this one here. They probably would have tried to force something. You know, I always think of those games that they had against the Islanders over the last couple of seasons as kind of the prime example of that. But even against a team like the Canes or maybe a team like the Bruins, uh, those teams would just kind of wait for the Rangers to make a mistake. And eventually they would, and said team would capitalize on the mistake with a goal. In this game, yes, the Rangers do need to create more offense, but I like the fact that they weren't just, you know, going with these hope plays, you know, just passing the puck recklessly and 
you know, just kind of throwing up a prayer, so to speak. It was a scoreless tie. They didn't have to, you know, again, try to do too much and, you know, do it to your own detriment where you're turning the puck over and setting up a scoring opportunity going the opposite way. So I like that. They didn't really make a lot of mistakes in this game. I mean, we, we've we already talked about the four-minute power play and what a disaster that was. And obviously, I think anytime you give up a shorthanded goal, it can classify as a mistake. Uh, but for the most part, you know, nothing too egregious, not a ton of turnovers. They were smart with the puck, again, for the most part. The issue right now is just they're not getting any offense. But another positive, Igor Shesterkin has been Igor Shesterkin in these last two games. I think uh, cumulatively, these might be, this is probably his best, well, I don't know, because I was going to say this is his best two-game stretch of the playoffs, but then again, when you have your teams back against the wall in games five, six, and seven against the Penguins, I realize he gave up more goals in that game, but he also made some tremendous saves in that game and did it while you know facing, obviously, a ton of pressure during those three games, games five, six, and seven against Pittsburgh. So maybe I should stop short of saying that, but Igor has been Igor over these last two games, and he certainly played well enough to give the Rangers a chance to win. It's crazy because if you would have told me going into this series, okay, games one and two are going to happen. The Rangers are only going to allow two goals during regulation combined in these two games. And I realize the Canes got an empty netter with 1.8 seconds left in uh, game two here, but forget about that one. For all intents and purposes, they gave up two goals in the six regulation periods. I would have said, hell yeah, let's go. We're going to be up 2 nothing in this series, going back to Madison Square Garden. Alas, that is not the case. The Rangers, they're not even tied 1-1. I mean, worst case scenario, you would have had to have believed, if I would have told you that stat before the series, the Rangers would at least be 1-1 going back to the Garden. And I think we all could have lived with that. Unfortunately, uh, that is not the case there. Obviously down two games to nothing, but I'm very, very encouraged by what I'm seeing from Igor Shesterkin. Again, he looks every bit the part of the Vesna winner that he is going to be when it's all said and done, uh, whenever these you know awards are announced. Um, so he always gives you a chance. You got Igor Shesterkin, you've got a chance to get back in the series. We saw that against Pittsburgh. Hopefully we see it again uh, here against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, something else that I wanted to bring up here is the idea of the Rangers switching line combinations. We saw them do it a little bit in this game, kind of on the fly. We saw Alexi Lafreniere and Andrew Kopp kind of swap spots. You know, Lafreniere moved up to the second line with Panarin and Strom. We also had Kopp moving down to the third line with Hedl and with Kako. It's a tough call. I mean, I, I think at this point, one thing I would like to see the Rangers do going into game three, because you can't just keep banging your head on the wall here. The Rangers have scored one goal in these two games combined here. And that goal was fairly early in the first period of game one, about five minutes in. So they've gone about, oh my God, what is that? That's like 115 minutes without scoring a goal. You're, you're talking almost two hours of ice time here. So I think what I'd like to see is, and I hesitate to break up the kid line because for the most part, they've played well together. I'd like to see one of Kako or Lafreniere moved into the top six. I think right now, what might make some sense is moving Capo Caco up there with Mika Zibanejad and with Chris Kreider, and you could drop Frank Vitrano down to the third line. I think that's a swap that uh, could certainly make some sense. You could also potentially move Lafreniere onto the second line, like we saw in this game two here, drop Andrew Kopp down, maybe even drop Ryan Strom down, although uh, the Rangers have always been kind of hesitant to break Panarin and Strom away from each other. But then again, the way those two have played for the majority of the playoffs, I don't want to say the whole thing, but the majority of the playoffs, uh, maybe it's it's worth a shakeup. You know, sometimes you almost have to make these players uncomfortable to get them comfortable again. Sometimes you can almost be too used to playing with a certain player. You're out there with guys you're not necessarily used to playing with. You're a little bit more on your toes and, you know, things just kind of start to happen for you. And we saw, you know, when the Rangers tied game seven against the Penguins, they went with a completely makeshift line. It was Mika, Kopp, and Lafreniere that were on the ice when that game was tied. And 
Maybe at that point, you know, it was due in part to a partial line change, but those three players are usually on three different lines. So I think at some point here, you need a little bit of a shakeup going into this next game. I would imagine the Rangers, if they don't do that, you know, heading into the game, you know, maybe you could have a situation where if you're Gallant, you give them 10 or 15 minutes in the first period uh, with the line combinations as they are currently constructed, and you say, okay, you guys got to do something. But if you're not liking what you're seeing, the Rangers aren't producing any offense, then I think you got to have kind of a quick trigger here and shuffle the deck a little bit and see if you can't get something going. Because again, you cannot just keep banging your head against the wall here if the Rangers are going to uh, produce as few offensive scoring chances as they did in Game 2. One other thing that I wanted to mention here, and it's kind of a developing storyline as far as the, the Hurricanes are concerned, the Canes now, you know, combining their series against Boston with this ongoing series against the Rangers, they are now 6-0 and at home in the playoffs. They are 0-3 on the road. And I think a lot of people... Uh, Ranger fans specifically are going to look at that and think like, oh, well, that's good. You know, we're going to go home. They haven't been able to win on the road in the playoffs. We're a better team than boss and we're going to take care of business. We're going to tie up this series. And that's great. It's great to be optimistic and everything like that. One thing that I wonder about, though, is if you're the Canes, you know, you know what happened against Boston. That series ended up being a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be and probably a lot closer than the Canes certainly wanted it to be. I mean, I thought the Canes were just going to roll and probably win that one in about five games. Um, but that didn't happen, and it didn't happen in large part because the Canes couldn't win a game on the road. They couldn't find their A game when they were in Boston. And that could be a major point of emphasis here, you know, from Rod Brindamore, the coaching staff, even the players themselves that, okay, we're not going to do what we did against Boston. We're not going to let a team that we don't think is as good as us hang around just because, you know, we we, we can't find our A game on the road. Um, so I would expect the Canes to come out with big time desperation in game three, even though they are up two games to none in the series, as we just talked about. Uh, a series that's two games to one or a series that's three games to nothing, that is just an eternity of difference. And so the Rangers, they better be even more desperate than the Canes. These guys better be skating hard up and down the ice, and they need to dial up the intensity a little bit. You know, we got some fireworks early in this game, a couple of get-togethers. You know, Brent Smith was out there hitting. Uh, he knocked Heedle to the ice. Lafreniere kind of went after Smith after that happened. A couple other instances where, you know, the temperature was rising, but then it kind of cooled off just as quickly. There weren't, I mean, I'm not saying you go out there and look for trouble, but the Rangers need to bring a little bit more fight than what we saw in Game 2. And hopefully, you know, they got the crowd behind them. Game 3 in Madison Square Garden. Hopefully, they're playing with a lot of fire. And hopefully, the superstars actually show up. Because, you know what, guys? I mean, I realize the Rangers, they've had a great season. It's awesome that they've gotten as far as, as they have. They are not going to win this series if their best players don't start playing like their best players. It can't be the kid line, you know, being the best line on the ice every single night. And, you know, guys like Keandre Miller... Tyler Mott, Ryan Lindgren, you know, sooner or later, you need these superstar players. Where's Panarin? Where's Strom? How about Andrew Kopp? You know, Kopp's had his moments in the playoffs, but hasn't really done much in this series, obviously. Uh, the entire top line, I mean, basically, I just named the whole top six. Panarin, Strom, Kopp, Mika, Kreider, Vetrano. The Rangers need more from every single one of these guys. I'd even throw Adam Fox and Jacob Truba in there. I mean, Fox has had his moments in the playoffs as well, uh, that four-assist game against the Penguins, but he's so good. The reigning Norris winner, I think he's got more to give than we've seen. And Jacob Truba, at best, has been up and down in this playoff run. So the Rangers, quite frankly, they just need to get more from their top guys. I think they will. It's desperation time. You better come out and you better skate hard and you better be ready to go against a really, really good Carolina Hurricanes team. Uh, game three at home in Madison Square Garden. Feed off that home crowd and see if you can't work your way right back into this series. 
So that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and Canes in Game 3. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. From second-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.